We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin direct via satellite from our on-the-spot task force. Who are you? Oh, I'm part of the Neighborhood Crime Watch. Where this work says you watch, I commit the crime. Oh, my God. No, no. Uh, no, no. There's no talking. You just give me your watch and wallet now. Here's my problem. You're black. <laughs> Mr. Crane! What? I'm Debbie Crane. I'm a big shot. So am I. If you kill me, the headline is going to be, Black Guy Kills White Big Shot. And that's the last thing we need when we're trying to elect an African-American as president. God. How about if I just blow your brains out right now? That doesn't work for me. Work for you? Can you please? Hey. All right, all right. Huh? All right. Watch. Wallet. Gun, knee, right foot, left foot. Thank God for guns, huh, Jerry? You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. Again, folks, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. We've got a lot to discuss, but that's par for the course with our show. The call-in number is 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. I think we're going to go off script a bit, folks. Just a few things coming down the pike, which is, again, par for the course Always within 24 hours of the broadcast, we find that there are other things to talk about that we failed to list with our list of topics. So we will get around to some of the other things. Um, Believe it or not, and I I spoke to the captain before this broadcast behind the scenes, and I was telling him, you know, we were both lamenting, discussing the Remy Ma versus – Nicki Minaj neo-minstrel fair. I really didn't want to get into it. But I think we're going to have to. Uh, feel free to buzz on in with your questions, your queries, your protestations. I'm almost ashamed to have to talk about this. But it appears that the uh, American Akata, 
let me let me shout out Uncle Hotep, a YouTuber, the American Akata, the North American Shine. I hate to use those pejoratives, but this is what this is where we are at. I have to discuss this where we are at. So we're gonna weigh in on this neo minstrel debacle and other things. Anyway, let's go to an herb alt groove people. Um since we, we should be really bearing witness to the demise of hip-hop culture, I mean, this is really what it is. It's been that way for a long time. It's been on life support for maybe 20 years, if we're going to be really fair about this. So I'm going to go to a classic groove, which would actually be considered an herb alt groove by today's standards. And it is a standard by rap, by rap music uh, aficionados. This is... Welcome to the Terror Dome, Public Enemy. We'll be right back. Let's groove. Hip-hop compared to where we are right now It is what it is Folks, welcome to our own 
personal terror dome. This is the Midweek in Review edition of Afroner featuring Captain Kirk. Captain, you're needed on Rigel 4 once a game to dispel the minstrels. You're needed. Let's get to it. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before.
this battle on 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 wax. First of all, likening it to maybe the you know one of the top in the top ten of battle rhymes or battle battles on wax. So this is supposed to be in the same universe of of um, let's 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 say that the LL Cool J battles. Uh, the cannabis versus LL Cool J. It's supposed to be in that universe. The original Ether in that universe. Um, Busy B versus Kumo D. Uh, the bridge is over. I mean, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be in that realm. Hell, it's not even the. It's not even in the realm of the B in you with Common versus Ice Cube. It's not even in that. Or, or no Vaseline. It's not in that realm. Tell you why. And I defy someone to deconstruct how we how we lay this out. I even spoke to Captain Kirk's predecessor. Shout out to Mr. To Iron Man, who him, he himself was a, a an artist, uh, a, a a a DJ, right down the block from his mother's house years ago. He hit uh, he's literally down the block from from the Bomb Squad Studios. The record I just played, Welcome to the Terror Dome. The studio was literally, literally down the block from his house, and he knows Chuck D. and and has, he knows these people intimately. Anyway, what makes this problematic, this particular song, for a whole host of reasons, is it's not about lyricism. It's just not. What are they calling it now? In between what's going on going on down south, as as mumble rap. I mean some. I mean, real hip-hop aficionados, real hip-hop heads, real devotees of lyricism. They're, they're calling this period the period of trap music, the period of mumble rap. So they, they, the, the landscape hasn't shown itself to, to have an interest in lyricism. You don't do that. You don't do that. But, but now, for this particular situation, now we're being told that Lyricism is is important. Rap battles going back 20, 30 years ago, you could throw a dart at a dartboard, and the landscape was rife with lyricism, with lyricists. I was I, I was talking to 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 again your predecessor, Captain, and we were just naming people off the cuff. That would be considered master lyricists, but at the time they were one of a number of people. I, could, I mean, I could we were throwing out names like C.L. Smooth, uh, Black Thought. You could, you know, he's more later, but you could throw him. You could still keep him in there. You could think of um, a Big Daddy Kane is like an obvious. Uh, who else were we thinking about? C.L. Smooth, um, a Grand Poobah. I mean, all these guys like off the cuff. Even Redman, to an extent, was a lyricist. I mean, there's people you could think of just off the cuff very easily that just – the landscape was just full of people who were lyricists. And the hip-hop devotee of that time, the discussions were always about what someone said. That was the nature of the culture at that time. I mean, you have to remember, there were iconic moments in hip-hop. I'm just thinking about Mike Tyson – Coming out with the time for some action from Redman, that that seminal 
period where he came out. You know, this is when when we had masculine hip hop. Yeah, I'm saying it. Masculine hip hop, no socks, black trunks, black shoes. Time for some action. The Simpsons. Well, what's the the what's the character's name? He's he's a, you know he's clearly talking about. Um, what's his, uh, Roderick. I forgot the. I'll look up the the, the character's name. But he's he's intended to be definitely an analog of Mike Tyson. Even when they replicated the intro in a cartoon, uh, Homer Simpson fights um, Dredrick, I think. It's it's Tyson. They use the same thing. I mean, there's certain iconic moments, certain lyrical moments. Um, The hip-hop fan of that time spoke about this stuff intimately. They spoke about lyrics. Lyrics were important. So place in that, in that atmosphere, it was the talk of the town. It, was, it, it meant something. But now we're hearing, this is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing this is, this is good for the culture of hip-hop. This is, this is good for the culture of hip-hop. No, it's not. Um, I'm hearing folks like Foxy Brown, the dust, the dust is coming off of her carcass. Uh, little Kim, whichever face she decides to present for the public, she's getting into this mix. It's a it's a plea for relevancy. People are looking at this as some kind of triumphant moment when, again, we have Donald Trump and the stormtroopers in the background, and we have North American Akatas. We have American shines doing their minstrel acts when we just don't need this kind of thing. We we don't need it. We really do need. Welcome to the Terror Dome, circa nineteen two thousand seventeen. We need that kind of music. We need um. We need X Clan two thousand seventeen. We need that kind of music to be considered serious people. But for folks to have so much. Emotion tied to these two neo-coons, I'm confused by it. And I defy someone to deconstruct how I'm laying this out because, we're again, we're being told, obviously, whether it's 2 chains, whether it's uh, Young Thug, uh, whether it's Amigos, it's not really about... It's about it's about juggling watermelons and tap dancing in the wake of the stormtroopers coming. So I'm just confused that we're in a, a rap period that that lyrics lyrics just do not matter. But we're we're being told that this is going to re- revitalize New York hip hop. You know that's not going to happen. That's what I'm hearing. This is going to revitalize New York hip hop. All these things are going to happen because you had a uh, Remy Ma, who did a bid almost 10 years over uh, lower-tier thinking, ruined her career, and now everyone's looking for a lifeline, a lifeline to be relevant. It's just a waste of time. It's a waste of time. I remember when the original Ether came out. I was an adult when Ether came out. I remember how, how important, how, how I felt like this is important. This mattered. It meant something. It was uh, a battle between between competent MCs. It was. It had some 
relevancy. And the fact that 16 years later, remember, 2001 is about the time that Ether came out. That we're still talking about Ether means that Sheether is nothing. We have some callers, but um, I, can, I, I can really go into this on a different, deeper level. But, Cap, you have any thoughts on this? Well, again, once I, I didn't talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it a little differently. I'm going to go with this perspective. First of all, even battle rap is something entirely different. You know, just hold on one second. Hold on one second. Afternoon. Okay. Uh, let me go to this. Let me go to this. Clip and you feel comfortable. to not know. All right. <laughs> I have to be consistent. <laughs> so the callers, hold on. We'll, we'll get you'll bring you in. We will bring you in. Cap had to take a quick chill pill. Um, but comparing this to the top, like in the top ten of famed battle raps on wax, uh, I, I'm I'm more, I'm of a of a um, of a like mind to our listening audience, and you know, All right, I'm, I'm into the Afro thing. Okay. All right. Now what Afro-punk I was going to say, even that's me. Okay. So what I was going, what I was saying was like even from like battle rap, what they call battles these days. See, I know a little something. Like I used I used to rap. I did, I did a little something with that for a while and everything, and it was entirely lined up differently. You know what the battle was? You're coming out your house, and you're about to go to the barbershop. Some kid meets you in the street, and you spit your rhymes right then and there. There was no preparation. There was none of that. You battled right on the spot. Then you go to the barbershop, and then you're sitting down, and some guy battles you while you're getting your hair cut right on the spot. Then you leave the barbershop. You go into the Chinese food spot to get your little chicken wings and fried rice for three fifty. That's another battle. So right there, you cook three people. You understand? I'm talking from experience. You cook them right on the spot. Not none of this. You log online, and then I'm going to battle you four months later, you know, and I prepare and everything else. No, 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 no. You cook the dude right on the spot. So the whole situation is entirely different. It's not the same thing. And in order to cook somebody right on the spot, you always have to be prepared. You're cut from an entirely different cloth. So this is something entirely different, what they're doing here. Now, don't get me wrong. You see these guys, you go up in, like, these little chat rooms, you go up in these little battles. And a lot of them are good, you know, but it's a whole different thing. It's not the same thing that we were doing. You know, it has gotten watered down very much. So from that perspective. But that's not the problem that I have. Here's the problem I have as it relates to this. If you're into the culture, you're into the music, it's not a problem. You know, I have no problem with that. But when people who are 30, 40, 50, 55 years of age are talking about on a regular basis, it's occupying a day for three days, who's cooning, who's nignogging? The cooning and nignogging is on us. People with MBAs and you got a foot in the hood. Stop it, man. You understand what I'm saying? Stop that foolishness, man. Stop that type of cooning and nignogging. You got to realize when you're cooning and you nignogging. You got to realize it. You understand? You see, let me tell you some of the things I talk about. Let me tell you some of the things you talk about. All right? I talk about things 
you know, like double slit experiment, two timelines interacting in one interference, things of that that dumbfounded and confounded physics physicists for years. All right? For years. You know, two timelines being paired. Watch Flash, it gives you an explanation. I know Coonan and Mignogs need a simple analogy. You can't go figure this stuff out for yourself. You understand? But Flash will help you out and things of that nature. The point meaning is you get knocked in another timeline. All right? You get knocked in another timeline. You got to realize, you got to realize when you're there. You understand? So you could turn around and say, all right, let me get up out of here. What do I mean by that? When the lawyer is in the club and he starts crip walking, you understand? You cooning and you nignogging. All right, you wait there for a second. Get out of it. Don't stay there too long. Someone might have you up on their Instagram. And you got to explain it when you go into work. Why you, who is a lawyer and you're working for this company, doing that dance. You understand what I'm saying? You understand? Individuals were cooning and nignogging too long on this stuff. It's, it's, it's too long. It's too long. It's not that important. Now, some people may say, well, you're disrespecting the rappers, you're disrespecting the culture, yada, yada, yada. It's not their fault and everything else. I said, yeah, I understand that. We are cowards. Notice I'm putting myself in it, too. We are cowards because it's real easy to diss the artists. How did you get off the back of the bus, black man? You stopped the cooning and you stopped the nignogging and you went right for the juggler. You attacked the money. Now, if you put together and stopped the cooning and stopped the nignogging and went to the source, which is the labels most of the time, Remy Ma is independent. That's a little different thing. I'll talk about that in a minute, you know. And you can hurt them in their pockets. And you get some of these white liberals, some of them are coons too, wiggers, but you get them behind you in that scenario with the music, you see how fast the artist has to change the music. Because you're, now you're talking about, once you have the white liberals with you, some of them coons, you know, wiggers, once you have them with you, now you're talking about hurting the pockets of these companies. You go right to the source, not bottom up, top down. That's how you got off the back of the bus. You understand? Then the artist has to come with something else. What you do independent is, is different because the, ma- the major shine is on the major label and what you hear on the radio. Yes, there are some very good independent artists, artists that are not doing this type of thing. But the most of the shine is, you know, the reason why this is a big deal for some of you is because Remy went at Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj is a major artist with a lot of promotion. She's all over the place. So you see, this is the game. This is the game. And the reason why I went there, because some people say, well, you're just only talking. Uh, you know, you're only just talking. That's the solution. Figure that out. And then the music will change at the major level, which in turn will change a lot of the independent artists. But from my standpoint, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with indulging for a few moments with some rap battle. You do it for a little while and you move on. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. All right? Nothing more, nothing less. But if you want to change the music, you have to change these labels. And the only way to change these labels is to hurt them in the pocket. You understand? Because they're nignog and coon machines at the label. That's how you got off the back of the bus also. That's how it works. That's how the situation works. Now, let me tell you something, something, 
according to Game. You know who he is since we're talking about rappers. This is what Game said. He said, my battle with G-Unit wasn't really the smartest thing to do. He had said this. He said he would have made more money if he didn't go at them. Actually, it was Game and uh, Jadakiss that actually destroyed that whole G-Unit thing, <laughs> which was hilarious anyway. That's a whole other thing. 50 still has money, plenty of money. He realized, because this is what happens. You can't tour together. The label makes money in that type of scenario, but you were sitting home. You see? Because it would be better in the long run for probably the both of them, Nikki and Remy, if they were working together. All right? That's the reality of it from them, their standpoint. Now, Nicki Minaj, she's independent, so she'll still see, you know, her money and everything else. I don't think the situation is going to stop. No, excuse me. Remy Ma is independent. All right? Remy Ma is independent. Nicki Minaj is on the major label. According to Remy Ma, she's independent. So her sales will probably get better through this situation. But underneath normal circumstances, you know, if you have two major artists, in rap going against each other. It's the labels that do very well. You, it messes up your money. And other artists have said this before. This is something they have said. Right? Funkmaster Flex was talking about this at one point. Even though he's one of the people that's blowing it up. Makes him look good. So let's look at what we're doing. Let's just enjoy it. Move on. It is what it is. And let's not spend so much time cooning and being a nignog, especially when you got a master's, your MBA, and you got one foot in corporate America making 160000 plus getting a bonus, and you got an other foot in the hood. Stop the cooning and nignogging. There you go. Back over to you, Afro-Nerd. Okay. I think our friend from the left coast was on hold quite a bit. I'm sure he wants to uh, chime on in with this. Um, let me go to 323. I think this is Mr. Pooh. And Pooh, is that you? Hello? Okay, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Can you hear me, Cap? Yeah, I hear you. Okay. All right. Uh, he you might have left, have the, left the room. his phone down. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. All right, I'll I'll send him a text if he wants to. Uh, you know, he, we were going at it on Twitter, and um, you know he he has the right to his opinion, and I'm I'm curious to see how he he's going to defend himself or defend this minstrel act. You know that's that's the part that confused me. It's like you know like is it is it really are we going to really argue that the corporate machine that puts out this doggerel the corporate machine that has has you listening to a certain type of music that's so disrespectful. I mean, you know, there's always been this kind of music in, in the hip-hop uh, genre, but to the extent, but there was always somewhere else you could go to. There was some kind of coexistence with other forms of hip-hop that I, that, that I thought, in my mind's eyes, uh, there was some, some degree of t- equal time given. Like when you when you did have more conscious hip hop, the conscious hip hop was allowed at least for a brief moment. Briefly, the conscious hip hop was allowed 
to exist um, while the other song, music was going on. You know, you, uh, NWA coexisted with Public Enemy for like a hot minute. And then the corporates decided to go with gangster music, and then it drowned out empowerment movement, which really had a lot more, which, which really would probably would have put black folks in a different track. But, you know, this is where you know, uh, you feel that this is very much a, a Lenny Riefenstahl film. This is very much a controlled experiment. This is a social, engin- social engineering. I mean, there's a whole lot of things going on, clearly, that gangster now trap music has existed for about 35 years, and that's allowed. But this conscious music, which I know people are still making, but as far as actually putting it out there as routine, that's over and done with. Let me try to bring, um, let me try to bring uh, Aunt Pooh back in here. Let me see what's going on. Aunt Pooh, is that you? Are you? Are you? Nope. I don't know what happened there. All right. Let Let me send a a tweet to Aunt Pooh. And let's move on. <laughs> yeah. We yeah, we had fun with it. Okay. That's it. Let's move on. Let's get to more serious things. <laughs> Oh, man. It's a hook and a fat beat and stick in any rapper. Perkins said. Perkins said. I heard a song like that the other day. Hot as hell. He's not saying anything, but you know that he's saying Perkins said, though. <laughs> yeah, our friend John, John Hutton, also from the left coast, says, when did intellectual stimulation and being challenged in mind and soul fall out of fashion? <laughs> It's a damn good question, John. It really is. Um, you know, the, the the Grammys, I mean, even, you know, again, I really did want to speak to Aunt Pooh on this thing. I think he, he grew frustrated with you you going into your dry t- diatribe. He wanted to, you know, patience is a virtue, um, Aunt. <laughs> From what I've been told, patience is a virtue. But this whole idea of not being able to talk truthfully about what, what's going on and that, that – the, the music is on its last legs. That the, the real hit people, the real hit people are really at at, at Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Commodore Barry Park. Um, uh, the hit people are, are in Paris and in the UK. Uh, ATL listening to this new stuff, the UK British soul sound. There's a lot of good music out here that needs to be exposed, but for some reason, we're not allowed to have. <laughs> Repeat that again. I'm sorry. It says independent. That's where all the good stuff well, is. It's independent music. That. Well, listen. It, it's hard. I don't think people understand that there's actually a black indie movement. That's the part that's even. I mean, I can, we, we can say Afro punk. We can say Black Rock Coalition. We can say Urban Alternative. But all of that really amounts to there being black independent. Our dear friend John Hutton is from Seattle, if I'm not mistaken, in Seattle. Uh, during the late 80s, early 90s, was really mid-80s, pardon me, really, really get technical about it, mid-80s, and came to an apex in the early 90s um, with Nirvana and groups like that, uh, with with grunge music. So grunge was probably the last moment where we had a true independent sound. And 
that that was allowed to to be made. But I think also there was a shot that you could actually sell records. That's another component in this too. That you're you're at a period now where there's no more um, physical. There's no there's no physical product to buy. Uh, there's a select few in this atmosphere. Shout out to Adele. That uh, I think her um, what was the name of her album? Twenty five. Twenty five sold almost I think about twenty million copies. Now, for twenty million copies to be sold in an environment where there are essentially no more record stores, that is a feat. So I find it odd that yes, thank you, Soundgarden, Allison Chains, um, you know, th- these groups, Temple of the Dog, those are the the that that is essentially the Seattle sound. And I, I grew to love the Seattle sound later on. But, I, but hey, Smells Like Teen Spirit was that song. And I think actually, dare I dare it be uh, said, I think they had a, 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 a good share of black folk listening to grunge music at the time. Because MTV was playing it all over the place when MTV mattered. And it was actually rebel music. Everything going on now doesn't... See, this is also another component. Then we'll move along. This Remy Ma... This Remy Ma versus Nicki Minaj thing doesn't make me feel like it's rebel music. I mean, I don't. I mean, listen, I'm older, but I don't think even to the millennial, this stuff sounds like rebel music. I mean, we're we're at a time, a, a really precocious, well, not precocious, pardon me, a really um, uh, precarious time. I mean, we many can liken this to the '60s, or they want to go back there. I mean, there's a lot of things that could potentially happen in this political environment. And the music is supposed to be background music for this, for what's going on. And Remy Ma and Nicki Minaj, that's not going to do it. It's not. Really not needed in an environment where you would expect to see Welcome to the Terror Dome. I mean, you have all these marches going on, Captain. I mean, you have all this stuff going on, and all we get is minstrelsy. I mean, this is this is what you call how you control people. Clearly, I mean, that's what I want. Someone like Aunt Pooh, if you if if you were to come back on, and he has an open door policy here. I want him to explain to me how how all of this works itself out in today's marketplace in today's atmosphere. We're we're being told all hell could break loose. And we have American Akatas and North American Shines juggling <laughs> watermelons and cab That's That's the part oh, I'm confused man. about. <laughs> okay. Nignogging, as you say, but I'm going to let you have that. <laughs> Nignogs, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. I, I, just want, I want a real fair discussion. Anyway. Let's go to a, an Herbalt groove. When we come back, Cap, let's get into the Oscar business. The, Oscar, the Oscars are going to be an extension of the last conversation about people of color, unfortunately, begging for approval, masses in the big house, your black behind is still in the slave quarters in 2017, begging for approval. Clearly, shout out to Viola Davis. I mean, she's a, she is a talent, but some of this stuff 
to me, boils down to begging for approval. You, can't, you just can't do this in 2017 when you have uh, Trumpian politics. And I think, actually, I, I'm somewhere – Trump is a quagmire for me because I think that we're going to see some movement by people because they need to. This needs to happen. Some of the stuff that's going down, it needs, it needs to happen anyway. It needs to happen anyway. So I, even, even, I, I can't even look at Trump completely, completely like everybody else. We, you know what? Uh, we have a call. Yeah, Let, yeah. Let's go to the – Like achievement? <laughs> Well, you want to go to a groove first, or we want to, we want to get to the call? Because if you can hold on yeah, for about two it. minutes, then we All right. 301, we see you. Hold on for about three minutes. Yeah, three minutes, we'll, we'll pick up your, your call. Uh, Aunt Pooh, if you're listening, <laughs> I think you're still considered a millennial. Try patience, my, my friend. <laughs> Be like water. All right. This is Insatiable by Omar. We'll be right back. Let's groove.
I'll be with you to the end. I say this to you now, with my hand on my heart, shine on. Let the world be you see. Take the feeling that you have, take the faith, yeah, yeah. Show the world you got. All right, we're back. Insatiable. The mighty Omar from the UK, folks, give you the best of urban alternative groove, black rock and roll, psychedelic soul, and guess what? UK British soul. Everything that mysteriously we can't seem to get on conventional radio. I'm confused by it. I mean, I think black folk, and I don't like to colorize everything, but I find it odd that we are not allowed to have a multifaceted uh, palette for musical taste or ability. The Grammys are indicative of that. And we are on life support, and it, it is what it is. I see that our friend, um, uh, our friend Aunt yep. Pooh was trying to get back in. Aunt Pooh, call in. I don't know if you snapped off. Uh, the floor is open if you get back in. I'm, I'm intrigued to see you or hear you uh, excuse away this neo-coonery. You know, uh, really defending American Akatas. I'm running it into the ground, folks. I'm part of you. It's my new toy. American Akatas. And uh, North American shines. Anyway, let's go to 301. I think this is our friend B.A. Who can, I, I hope it is B.A. because we need straight talkers on this one. B.A., is that you? 301. No, this is uh, uh, Charles. I actually called you like uh, over a month ago. <laughs> I, Hello, okay. Charles. Don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. I'm a straight talker as well, so don't worry. Uh, I, I can Not help, a problem. I hope you out with that. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Welcome, sir. Welcome. Yes. Um, I know y'all are going to talk about the Oscars, and um, I'm going to say this uh, right quick about the Oscars. It, you know, sure, to sure. me, I, I, I maybe it's just me, but I just stopped caring about them like five, six, seven, eight years ago because, A, the real good films and such never really win. It's actually a fluke that the good films actually win, and the real um, really trite and real films that just don't really do anything. The films that just make Hollywood feel better about themselves and, you know, build up the old baby boomers and such, you know, World War II films and all this type of stuff that at the end of the day are forgettable, don't really win. And it is interesting to see that something like, say, Moonlight and, you know, you know the actor like Prince's um, winning best, I think, uh, Supporting actor or best uh, female actor? I don't know. Avalo Davis winning an Oscar and, and um, you know, all the uh, – it was pretty nice. But, honestly, it just seems like we were trying so hard to have, you know, going to take over the uh, Oscar, like take over the Oscars when we can't just build up our own type of, you know, awards and make them feel like just important or just exactly. as prestigious. Or even better, why don't we, you know, do what other, um, you know, uh, cultures and races have done, like um, Bollywood or uh, the Chinese uh, film industry, and build up their own? In fact, you could have some cases, like um, even in religious, uh, religious, like Christian films or, uh, um, all this other stuff. They have their own type of um, huge film industry as well, and it's like, you know, we feel like we're still trying to get that whole. Um, you know, trying so hard to just say we need to be mainstream. They have approval and mainstream. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, hey, you know, mainstream is fine. I'm not saying we should all be in, in, inclusive and such. When, you know, 
they, if you want to go that route, go it. But I'm just saying, we, you know, we should not be so dependent on the mainstream. We should be building up our own. And when you see what's going on, when you have shows and movies that are even premiering on Netflix and Hulu and all these other things, I want to see more um, black voices and more, um, you know, voices in the, of uh, uh, people of color and everything in that, like, you know, in that type of um, creative environment. Because if you're not going to be represented well in Hollywood and so on and so forth, this right here, opening, like, say, in Netflix, or there's actually other new shows and everything like that, opening with Netflix and everything, that is actually a better place to actually, well, have creative freedoms and such. It's better to be on that independent type of, um, you know, the independent type of, um, you know, you know, shows and networks and stuff like that, which is, um, to me, a lot more beneficial than basically calling for the trying to get crumbs. We should not be trying to get crumbs. We should be trying to make our own pies. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, I tell you something. I know exactly what you're saying, and I, uh, and, uh, I appreciate you, that you called in and continue listening. But I, I think something that we have to really take note of, and you said it so elo- eloquently, is that we have so many different formats now that the game has changed. Um, even in the listing for topics on this show, I alluded to Burning Sands. Burning Sands is a Netflix movie uh, that clearly is about uh, black paternal life, black paternities. I guess it's reminiscent of school days, uh, Spike Lee's school days, but obviously it's, you know, 30 years later. But uh, with all these different formats, you just can't solely rely on what's happening in the theater. So if you were to actually have your own industry uh you mentioned bollywood you mentioned some of the christian films but there's a there's also a thriving black industry nigeria called nollywood nollywood we said this ad nauseum on the show yeah nollywood is actually the third if i'm not mistaken the third largest film exporting industry in the world it's it's after bollywood so there's so nollywood is a beast nollywood is a threat and wouldn't it be interesting if we could even make some kind of collaboration as African-Americans with Nollywood, pool our resources, and do what I've said before, uh, essentially a, a type of Brexit. We know Brexit, B-R-E-X, for British exit. There needs to be on some level, not, necess- not necessarily an actual leaving, but the leaving of, our, of some of our monies in a Brexit, black exit. Wouldn't it be interesting if we could pool our resources, either have our own independent musical, um, not well musical too, but in, uh, independent movie industry, or even hook up with like a Nollywood? What, what kind of force oh, would yeah. that be? That would be and, a brilliant and, with, and having these, and having and having a separate award show because what it is is when it ha- when Halle Berry, thirteen years ago. When we had the, the, the other Black Knight. See, I remember when we had Black Knight before. Black, we had Black Knight, not that dissimilar from this one from last weekend. When we had Black Knight, we had Sidney Poitier, who won a honorary Oscar, like a lifetime achievement kind of thing. And we had Denzel, and we had Halle Berry. It was Black Knight, and she went to the whole histrionics famously. But I also believe, if I'm not mistaken, she also won a NAACP award, and she just wasn't that fanatical, which means that in our hearts, in our hearts, we don't 
feel like we have arrived when it's coming from your own from your own. So that's a component as well. There's such a mental game, a mental mind effery. There's such, there's so much mind effery with us that we don't really feel it unless it's from the mainstream. It's patriarchal. I mean, it, it's a problem. It's a problem. It really is. Um, continue listening. I think Aunt Pooh is is back. Aunt Pooh, if you're back, um, press one so I know you want to join in. Uh, we're on the Oscars, but uh, we can certainly talk about go back to the Nicki Minaj and Remy thing for a minute. I see our friend um, Sergio Mims is also in effect. You know, Sergio, hold on, hold on once, hold on, Sergio. Cap, let's go to um, let's let's back for a few moments. I do want to hear what he has to say, and then we're going to push forward with this Oscar talk. But it's all mixed in. It's still American Akata talk. It's still North American shine. So anyway, hold on. Is this Aunt Pooh? Yes, sir. How's it going? Pretty good, man. What what would you like to say? What is is it you have a problem with with me on Twitter by laying out that that this this, um, battle – between Nicki Minaj and um, and, and uh, Remy Ma, that this really isn't about much. But I mean, you, you know, tell me, tell me where I'm where I'm going off the rail. Well, here's the question I have to ask you: Is why are you saying it's about something at all instead of it being what diss tracks, what battle raps has been since the beginning of hip hop's creation about music, about art, about lyrics? Now you want to you might want to diminish the the content of what Remy Ma said, but for you to say that there's no lyricism in in Sheether is just a falsehood. She touched on a number of different things. She uh, used a number of different metaphors. She found ways to just go at and get in Nicki Minaj's uh, bursting popped booty as best as she could. And then at the same time, she was able to, she pretty much uh, took away most of the ammunition that Nicki Minaj could have going back at her by bringing it up and calling herself for it. Uh, for example, she said, that's right, and you got bodied by a love of hip-hop. Oh, wow, this is bad. <laughs> you, just, you just got bodied by a love of hip-hop. And it's just like, because that was going to be one of her retorts. And for me to say that this is cooning, this is buffoonery, and like, why is that? Plain and simple, this is what hip hop has been about. It's been b boys okay. getting that b boys, graffiti artists getting that graffiti artists, DJs trying to outdo other DJs, MCs trying to come up with better rhymes than other MCs. So I mean, how are you saying that this is buffoonery and coonery? I'll explain. I said actually, it really from the and last. Actually, you never actually explain what makes this cooning and what makes this buffoonery and mistress. I thought I did. You just said. I thought you, I did. No, but... you just labeled it. You just labeled it. No, no. What hold I said. No, well, hold it on. Is because, because hold on. I think. I think. I think. I think you. You're listening. It. Listening to it in a way you feel comfortable in listening to. So I thought it was pretty concrete. But Cap, you wanted. I'll explain again. But Captain, uh, you. Your mic was on. Did, would you want to? What did you want to weigh in? All I want to say is iterate what I said before. You enjoy it. You move on. You don't spend an eternity. You don't get too emotional. And yes, from the in, from, and yes, from the industry standpoint, Remy Martin is a lyrical beast. 
She is. That's known in the industry, and people are scared of her. I know a little something about the industry, so that definitely is is very much true. But uh, you enjoy it. You move on. You don't spend too much energy on it. That's just my whole point of view. Yeah, That's I'm, all. That's what I wanted to say. I'm gonna, okay, but, I'm gonna but, be but sir, but sir, I, I, when LL and Kumo D went at it, how long did that last? How long were people talking about that in the street when Nas well, and well, Jay-Z were going answer, at it? Let me answer your question, if I may. I thought I was pretty clear. I mean, I saw you on Twitter, and you thought this was just, you know, just me meandering. But I, if you listen to what I said, I was pretty clear. The reason why I, I – first of all, I never said Remy Ma wasn't lyrical. Okay, I wasn't saying that. What I did say was that this record comes out at a time where the landscape is not about that. This particular – What does that have to do with well, – Hold on. Let me finish, can I answer the question. Remy can versus I, Nikki. Can I answer – because, brother, if you don't like the way I'm answering the question, I'm, I'm answering the question the way I, I like to answer the question. I don't give, like, uh, I give an in-depth que- answer. What I'm telling you is, is that, A, and answer your question when you said that you thought I said she wasn't lyrical, I didn't say that she isn't, isn't lyrical. What I am saying is that this particular record is confusing to me because at the time that you had rap, battle, rap battles on wax, you had an environment that was lyrical. The environment was lyrical. You could throw a dart at a dartboard, and there were a ton of rap artists that were, that were lyrical. Lyr- lyrical content meant something to the art form going back many years. In this time period... And you're saying that, that, doesn't, be, ex- and you're really I, saying that doesn't exist now. And clearly, because people are calling this particular period, colloquially, mumble rap. Yeah, no, the, the, the millennials no, will tell you. The millennials will tell you that th- it doesn't matter to them. They don't care about this. It's social media. Not the okay. same time. Here's they will I... tell you. They will tell you at all times that that that, that you know this, the the golden age is over. This is something new. It's not about that. That's my point. But now all of a sudden, lyrics matter. Okay. So, no, you have that wrong again. There are rappers who partake in this mumble rap that has made a quite nice niche for themselves. But are you really going to say Drake has no lyrics? Snoop has no lyrics? Jay has no lyrics? Kendrick has no lyrics? You really want to put that out there? First of all, again, you, I'm talking about a time period where there might have been 50 out of New York alone that were just beasts. This is not the time. And, and and Drake Drake is an actor from Degrassi, who we're being told is a rapper that doesn't really write his own lyrics. I mean, he's, I see him doing uh, I see him doing freestyles with his with his handphone, which would be unconscionable. I mean, you know, there's certain things that not 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 biting was was a term that was very paramount to early hip hop. Now it's okay to bite. All the rules are out the window when it comes down to actual. Straight up lyricism, off the top of the head kind of thing. Is you don't see that. I mean, there's a few guys out there that I will say like Logic is a beast. You didn't who see I respect. it back then who either. Also is a, like, hold on. Come on, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna interject here. I'm gonna stop all of this, <laughs> this, on, this talk here. I'm going to be the grown up in the room. We're not in the barbershop. Yeah, We're on Afternoon Radio. All right. And two, we like you. You made your point. Afternoon, you made your point. Let's move on and talk more adult things. It's a difference in opinion here. That's okay. Let's move on. Please. Please. We'll, we'll, have, to re, we'll have to revisit this 
maybe on a Saturday show or something or some particular <laughs> show specific, but no, you don't like leave it alone. <laughs> so what? You, I, he has a different I know, opinion, Applegate. I know. He's not going right. to see eye to eye with you. He's allowed to do that. Let's go. <laughs> Good luck, Apple. Right, let's, uh, let's go to our friend from Chi-Town, uh, Sergio. Yes, here I am. Excuse me while I had to deal with, even I can get caught up in, in the uh, menstrual vortex. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts about Oscar? <laughs> Pardon me. Well, look. My apologies. Um, I, I, well, first of all, a couple of things. I'm very happy Moonlight won. Actually, I love that picture. I thought it was great. Um, mm-hmm. I really, uh, uh, I really think so. I, but I have said what you said before. I have written that, that what's this approval thing, that now a black film is worthy because it got an Oscar? And by the way, the guy who previously called, who talked about films, remember, the overwhelming majority of black movies that are made every year are made independently outside the studio system. Only they're only really a lucky handful of movies that either are made by Hollywood, black films that are made by Hollywood, or get distributed by Hollywood. Okay, for example, take Moonlight. Who was the real power behind Moonlight that got that film made? Do you know? I don't know offhand, no. Okay, it was Brad Pitt. Brad oh, Pitt's okay. company produced that movie, uh, Plan B. Anytime you see Plan like B. Right. Like twelve anytime years of you see, anytime you see Plan B and a logo, that's Brad Pitt's company. He doesn't take credit, but that's his company, right? And that film got made because Barry Jenkins, um, who for several years was a programmer at the Telluride Film Festival, met some of Brad, some of Plan B people, and he told him about the movie, and they got together and got the film made, where it premiered at Telluride. It's all insider Hollywood sort of thing. So even the most independent movie is not really independent. So um, it's nice, you know, and next year you won't see this because I know all the, you know, I've seen the list of all the movies that are coming out this year in 2017. And guess what, folks? There are no um, hidden figures this year. There are no uh, moonlights this year. There, you know, there's not going. You're not going to see five, six, or seven black actors in every category nominated for an award because it's not going to happen this year. It's going to be what, what we're going to have again. Oscar so white. You know, the the thing about it is that number one, to the, of course keep keep developing our own industry, and number two, know that this is all transitory. This is just temporary right now. Okay, everybody's fine, everybody's happy, everybody's saying this is a new de- this is a new age. Not really. It just happens to be it just happened that this year happened to be the year. And by the way, you know who's crying? Can you guess? Uh who? Nate Parker. Remember Nate Parker? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nate a year Apple ago. Deal, right? a, a year ago. A year ago, Nate Parker was the guy. He was the guy who was going to win all the Academy Awards with uh, Birth of a Nation. He was the guy who was going to be the, the, the whole president. And now what happened? He's in movie jail, 
the term. You don't see or hear about him anymore. It completely imploded, and Barry Jenkins, who no one knew about, of course, we were covering him on Shadow and Act, but no one knew about him, no one even heard of him. He just burst upon the scene, and that was late. That was in August. So you never know what's going to happen. Well, you know, Serge, I want, I want to also um, open up the lines. I want to keep you keep your mic open. Um, I want to bring in Q Storm. Well, I, I think do you want to say add some things to about burning sands because I have sure. seen that picture. I've seen it. I've seen it already. Okay, hold on, hold on. Uh, your mic right. is still open, but hold on. Uh, Q, I'm, is that you? Yes, sir. What's up, man? Um, uh, thank you. I, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that uh, your your red your uh, red shirts podcast with our friends. Um, of course, the great Daryl B. Excellent, excellent show. Well, I, I posted that thing this morning. It's already close to 500 downloads. So we're going to yeah, have a bidding war for Daryl B. Bidding, bidding war for <laughs> Daryl B. <clears throat> um, so, um, so I'm listening to I, – I, I called in or I hit one when the caller called in, and I was listening to you and him uh, you know, talk about the Oscars and begging for approval. <clears throat> and my question is, and I'm not – I'm not going to start anything with you, <laughs> but um, no, you, can, you can, man. It's a free, you know. It's okay, you know. Uh, no, you you, you have my, you, you saw how my fellow podcast juice brother gets down. <laughs> oh yeah. So I'm I'm not going to start nothing. But um, I guess my thing is, why I I just, we have no disagreement that we you and I have no disagreement that we need to build our own infrastructure in Hollywood like India has like Nigeria has like all of these other these these other countries have but I I still don't understand why do you go in on Viola or Halle or Marshala or I mean you if you for example if you look at Get Out a decent film not it has its flaws but it's a decent film it it it, it does what it set out to do I don't think Jordan Peele uh, went into that film saying, "Oh, I must get an Oscar. I must." I mean, obviously, it's a horror thriller. It's not going to probably be nominated for anything serious. But I don't think any black filmmaker goes in. I could be wrong, but I don't think any black filmmaker or a person who is of a creative bent, just like anyone else would be, I don't think they go into this saying, "I must win an Oscar." If if Hollywood decides to recognize it, the film or the the work, fine. But I don't think they're sitting there begging for approval. I mean, do you really think that? Let me go in and Viola, and then you 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 have another one after her. Right? Okay. Can we do it like okay. that? All right. Yeah, sure, With sure. Viola Davis, when she got her award some time ago, all right. Uh, Sergio will be better with the specifics exactly when that particular award took place. Miss Viola Davis seemed like, you know, no one liked her, and a woman like me insinuating a dark-skinned woman like me you know, can still get awards and things of that nature. She was crying the woes me situation, and she seemed like she was begging for approval because she seemed to have a problem with her look. That's the air, and that's everything she gave out to the people. That was the problem with Miss Viola Davis. We know she's extremely talented, you understand? But she, that's, that's the air, that's everything that she put out there. And that's not anything I'm making up. Other people will confirm that. Well, that's the problem with her. Was Dr. King looking for approval? Doctor, what do you mean when Dr. King was looking for approval? When, when, when Dr. King marched and when, when Dr. King wanted a seat at the table, 
when he wanted us to be able to, to go into Woolworths, when he wanted us to be able to go into the white man's bathroom or drink from the white man's fountain, was he seeking approval? Yeah, he was. Definitely he was. Yeah, yeah. Do you have, do you have a problem with that? Do you no, know, not at a given time, I did not. So but I don't was. see, I guess, it's a so little bit of conflation. It's the same it's thing. Hold on, hold, that's, that's what you're saying? You're saying it's the same thing, you can't see the difference. I'm so, hold on. You can't see I'm saying, hold on, I'm saying... There is a little bit of conflation on my part, but the, at the essence, I see it as the same, yes. Okay, so well, then if well, you see well, that as the I, same, I, there's no reason for me to expound upon it any further. Well, <laughs> I can attach to that. I, I, can, ask, I can say something uh, in response to what Q is talking about because, again, if you're going to be absolutely accurate now, this is the Afrono Show, uh, towards, towards the end of Dr. King's life, I'm pretty sure Sergio can talk about this as well. Um, Dr. King had his regrets about where black people were going. I think he said something to the effect, I'm paraphrasing, that he might have led his people in the wrong direction. This is within maybe months of him actually being killed. So at some point, he, he had his regrets about what he had done. Now, we, we have to appreciate Dr. King, and we will always do that for his, for his, his sacrifices. He made the, the ultimate sacrifice, but... You know, it's one thing for access and public accommodations. It's another thing to to integrate your money. See, if there was talk about a financial integration with black people, in the favoring black people, we might we might be in a different place. It might not it might not have actually happened. It would have been a whole different situation. But being allowed to take away your money and hand it over to the, to the white man, oh sure, they'll go for that. Well, well, let me let me say this. Let, let me answer what Q, what Q had mentioned. Um, I think in some cases that's true that people definitely want approval. I don't think that was the case of Moonlight or Barry Jenkins. They just wanted to make this movie. They knew it was a hard sell. Uh, they got the film made, and the film has been very successful. He's even now successful overseas. In the case of Viola Davis. There's always something about her that, oh, she's always craving approval, even when, you know, when she went backstage. You know when backstage you do a press conference after you win the award and you talk to the press. Immediately she started going to the fact that how poor she was when she was growing up and she grew up in a rat-infested apartment. And I keep saying, why does she keep bringing that up? It's like, it's this thing, it's still this thing, despite all her success and everything she's done, she still wants approval. There's still this thing in her that says, I'm just not good enough, you know? Um, some people are like that. And, you know, she clearly wanted an Oscar. I mean, that's been no secret. That's why people keep wondering, why is she in the Best Supporting Actress category instead of Best Actress? And the reason why is because she purposely... Um, she publicly says, I'm not going to campaign for, I'm not going to compete for Best Actress. I'm with Best Supporting Actress because she had a better shot of getting an Oscar in that role, in that category. You know? So, I mean, there's that thing, you know? But I think most black filmmakers, particularly the history of black films and black actors in Hollywood, when they make a movie, they, they're not thinking about getting an award. Like, Get Us, a perfect example. Or um, a ton of other movies. You think Kevin Hart is thinking about getting an Oscar? Oh, no. Oh, no. 
<laughs> so, you know, um, I don't know, maybe Danza Washington is, maybe, you know. But no, most black film, film, filmmakers don't. And actually, I would say a lot. most filmmakers don't, period. They just want to make a damn movie and hope it's successful. That's yeah, my let's, take let's bring on it. Let's bring in Bison. Bison uh, has been a hope for quite some time from the DMV. Bison, are you there? Man, I thought you forgot about me. Oh, my God. Oh, going, there's Seth? a lot of people online. There's a, listen, there's a lot of people on, on hold, man. So, uh, listen, you got to open door, but, you know. I come into a hen house today. Um, a hen yeah, house. A couple, a couple, <laughs> That's good. That was good. A couple, a couple of things, man. I learned a long time ago, don't, don't discuss hip-hop with New Yorkers, because that, that, that's, just, that's just a waste of damn time. But before I, before I go too long. Let's I'm talk about Go-Go then. <laughs> Rare essence, <laughs> my brother. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna let that one slide because you, you know, it's your show. <laughs> but before I, I like that music, hey, listen, I like that music. Don't get it twisted. Go ahead. Y'all, you see, see, y'all notice how Bieber does? You know how he tries to deflect. But anyway, before I go mm-hmm. down the road, I want to ask one thing: Sergio and Bieber, is there any way that I can support you guys' pro um, sites via Patreon or some other kind of way? I really want to. I want to do that. So, I mean, I can take the answers offline. But if not, I hope you guys really go the Patreon route. I will really support it. So I just want to say that up front. Okay. Man, and, and, and I appreciate that, and we will talk. Trust me, I, I, I really appreciate that. We both do. Go ahead. Okay. And um, secondly, sir. I'm, listen, listen, guys, Nollywood is not a model to, to follow. From what I've read, barely – Half a percent, one percent, the money comes from ticket sales. It's mostly from pirated films that sold in barbershops or whatever all over the world. So, um, I mean, I've been reading articles. It's hard to monetize. It's almost like porn, so to speak. You know, you film and you kind of just fling it out there and, you know, it's pirated and whatever. I mean, the, the, the concept of a Nollywood is good, but, you know, it's hard to monetize it. Sergio knows more about it than I do regards to black film. I mean, a lot of the people we see now I went to school with at Howard. But one thing I do know that they are African-American awards. And I know they have a big thing either in Miami or somewhere else, maybe Aspen. You know, I know it's not the Oscars, but like the Black Film Association. So there are avenues where African-Americans film is honored. But you know, at the end of the day, the Oscars, that's the, that's the grand dame of film. But after a certain age, we've seen all these, all, everything is cyclical. Hey, remember when um, Color Purple came out and when Malcolm X came out and whatever? You know, like, like Sergio said, <laughs> you know, next year it's going to be barren, and this is how it is. But I think it's so easy to say, oh, create your own studio or create your own industry. I mean, look how many big-time studios have folded. Even though the, the platforms have changed and the way to market films have changed in such a way, at the end of the day, you need money and you need some sort of distribution system outside YouTube where you really can't monetize it. Well, you see, here's the thing. You, you, bring up, you bring up something which is very important, I think, for independent filmmakers. The game has really changed, right, in the, really in the last few years. 
who is buy who was buying up most of the movies at Sundance this Jan- uh, in January? Netflix. Netflix. And after that was Amazon. A couple Amazon. years ago, it was the Weinstein Company. They're broke. They're going under. They don't have the kind of money anymore. Uh, Focus Features. They're struggling badly, right? Netflix, Amazon, they got deep pockets. They're buying up everything. Look at the stuff that Netflix is coming out with in terms of black content. You know, you got Luke yep. Cage. You got, uh, like I said, Burning Sands. You have the uh, Dear White People series. Uh, Will, Smith? Ser- Will Smith has a yes, Will Smith has a good ad for Will Smith, right? His new movie is yeah. for Netflix. It's crazy. So, I mean, it, that the game has changed. The game has really changed. And so uh, that's a good thing for filmmakers because people things like Netflix and for example, what um, uh, Barry Jenkins' next project is going to be for HBO. He's doing a miniseries, The Underground Railroad, based on the Colson Whitehead novel about what what would happen if the Underground Railroad Underground Railroad was really underground. That's a great. And book. you had. Mm. You had host cities and towns and everything underneath the ground. That's his next project, and it's mm-hmm. for HBO. You know, you're not going to go to the studio. The studios are not going to finance a picture like that. You know. Can I? So, uh, I, I just want to ask a question real quick, kind of pigtailing off what you dovetailing off what you just said, Sergio. So I think you would agree with me that Hollywood is reactionary. If something get some uh, critical acclaim or makes money, definitely, they're going to want to try to clone that. So this year we had we had Hidden Figures that got Taraji uh, a nomination. We had Fences that drew acclaim and gave uh, got uh, Viola. Was that the one she was nominated? I'm, I'm, losing, I'm losing it. Yeah, Viola, Viola Davis. Viola got nominated. Right, yeah. uh, yeah. uh, uh, um, Barry Jenkins won Best Best screenplay, right? Well, he he won the one best picture and best screenplay. Right, right, and right. Best supporting actor. Right? So why are we saying? Why do we think? I, I'm not debating here. I'm asking. Given that, if Hollywood is reactionary, I would tend to think we would probably see more black uh, opportunity next year. Uh no, you won't. Well, first what? of all, it takes. Yeah, you know how, thank you. You know how long <laughs> it take, You know how long it takes a, the movie to get made. You know, um, it took it took Jenkins three years just to raise right. the money until he lucked in and ran into the Brad Pitt people. It took Fences twenty years to get made. You know, it it doesn't right. <coughs> it doesn't happen open overnight. Number two, just because black films are doing successful, don't think Hollywood is going to follow that trend. They know comic book movies make a lot of money. They know. Other things make a lot of money, but when it comes to black films, this has happened before. Black films do very successful, but Hollywood doesn't follow through. You've seen it over and over again. So how does Tyler Perry do it then? Because Tyler Perry puts his, money, puts his own money up. He doesn't have a, a big studio distributing for him? No, as a matter of fact, he doesn't, he doesn't have Lionsgate anymore. Lionsgate dropped him. Here's the story. I guess you guys don't know here about this. You know, he saved Lionsgate's ass, but he financed all his pictures. 
Lionsgate just distributed them. But then what happened was that when Lionsgate started making money on the Hunger Games, and they were doing like $800 million worldwide, they didn't need Tyler Perry anymore. So they dropped him, right? So the last movie he made, you know, Boo, um, Amadea Halloween. The Halloween. Um, right. Lionsgate picked. I mean, Lionsgate picked it up as a one picture deal. Okay, well, pick, he could have sold it to somebody else. Lionsgate picked it up because and it made a ton of money. So what does Lionsgate do? They signed him for another one picture deal. Let me go to the chat room for a second. This is. Let me go to the chat room right, for a second, they, sir. This is interesting because there's a person, uh, Bravery Movie. Shout out to Bravery Movie. And they're saying, uh, I have 30 years' experience in advertising, TV, and motion pictures in New York City. Hollywood is really white-centric on the executive level. Same for NYC. The white liberals are simply not comfortable with black creatives. I'm white, and I can say, it's, I can say, say it. It's true. Lionsgate is cheap as hell, really. So this seems to yeah, be a, a movie insider that knows of what he speaks, or he or she speaks. Hi and hi. Uh, yeah, hey, tell him yeah, hello please. too. How how you doing, Bravery Movie? How you doing? I'm listening too. Uh, I'm watching you too. Yeah. Uh, okay, but the, the point I want to make about Tyler Perry is that Tyler Perry once again saved Lionsgate's ass because they were going once again they were losing money. They they the Hunger Games films are over and everything they've done since then has been a flop. Um, Boom, Adidas. Uh, Halloween was the biggest grossing film they had last year. So did they re-sign him for a multi-picture deal? No, they signed him up for only one movie. Well, you know something, Sergio? And you, you are, which, you are which the says, resident. Which says, yeah. okay, which, which, what I'm trying to say is that, yeah, black films make money, but don't think Hollywood's going to follow up on that. Well, you know, Serge, i got to say this, because as you're speaking, I'm thinking of periods of time where we see this kind of user user game, cat and mouse game that that many of these major studios and, and white corporates, the game they play with black talent. We can t- we can think of the Oscar Michaud period going back in the silent movie period and even into the talkies, where he would essentially, uh, you know, he was being bankrolled somewhat by white corporates to to play in black theaters, but they were owned by whites. So in other words, white people were making money off of Oscar, Oscar Michaud's talent going back 80 years ago. Then you think about uh, the black exploitation period, which, which literally saved Hollywood. When Hollywood was making all those artsy films in the late 60s, early 70s, they weren't making any money. Black exploitation really was a, a chief component for uplifting Hollywood during that period. Then you think about even television with like uh, Fox and the UPN, that they, had, they, they used black talent to get back into the black, and I say that as a double entendre, but they, they got back into the black with black talent, and then they cut them loose when, it, when, when they were able to, to move the white folks in. So anytime, they, they, there's always these periods where black is in vogue, white <coughs> folks make the money, and then they cut your ass loose. And then we wait, well, wait you... <laughs> at the table again. We wait at the table like a pet. Until they until we're ready for more scraps, and we saw uh, what ten or twelve years ago when Halle, Halle Berry, which I mentioned before, was going through her histrionics as fine as she is. Through, through these histrionics, uh, 
I'm the first black woman and give me my time and all that stuff, that, that, that Hollywood actress stuff. That was Black Knight. 12, I mean, that was, you know, uh, Oscar so black uh, 12 years ago. And then, poof, nothing. We screamed. And, 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 and tell me that. Look at her career Stanford. since then. Has she done anything? With exception of one movie I can think of, has she done anything that was Oscar worthy? Catwoman? No. Has she done anything? No. You know, and not even her new film, which looks dreadful. That's not going to save her, you know. Um, Viola Davis has it now because she's really a supporting actress. She's not really a lead. You know, she's a supporting actress. So she'll always, always work. Same thing with Octavia Spencer. Octavia Spencer will always, always work because she's a supporting actress. Now, um, um, your girl, um, what's her um, you know, oh, gosh, Toronto. Jeanette Monet. No, Jeanette Monet. Monet right. We'll see where she's going to go. Monet, right. Hey, Sergio. Bison, you Sergio, want to say something? Are you yeah. optimistic or are you pessimistic at this point in time? Sounds very No, I, to, me, to me, it's not being optimistic or pessimistic. I said it's, you know, it's going to be the same. You know, I've seen this. Look, I've been around long. It's going to be the same. It happened back in the 70s. It happened back in the 80s. It happened back in the 1990s and the 2000s. And now it's happening again. It comes in cycles, you know, and I always hear the same thing. Things are changed. It's going to be different now. It's going to be, no, it's not. It's going to be the same, you know. Hollywood would go for what's quick and easy and doesn't require a lot of thought, you know. They're going to do a lot of sequels and a lot of spinoffs and a lot of remakes (laughs) and a lot of comic book movies because that's what makes a ton of money. So basically you're saying that, Black actors are like people from the movie Get Out. We're in fad right now. Um, yeah, <laughs> but they'll for the time being. eventually. <laughs> right until until we get they get bored with us and they'll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then they'll move on to something else, like like Get Out. And the other thing about Get Out is is that what kind of kind of annoys me about the, the reaction to the movie is that everybody's acting like as if it's brand new. And I'm like, there have been other horror films that have dealt with racism before. There was People Under the Stairs, Wes Craven's movie. There was Rusty Cundiff's, uh Tales from the Hood, mm-hmm. which is finally coming out on Blu-ray in April. E- even well, The Night Ganja, of the Living wasn't Dead. Ganja and Hess, wasn't Ganja and Hess also kind of a racial horror movie? Somewhat. Yes. As a matter of fact, I just saw yeah. it recently again a few weeks ago, right? Uh, and then, of course, there's Spike. But this, this, this movie, you see a black man. Well, I can't. I don't want to spoil it, but you see him doing some things you would not expect Hollywood to to green light to white people. Let's put it that way. Well, That's okay. What makes this stand like, out. Okay. You know, because okay, but look for example, you got two movies, kind of horror space movies coming out. Uh, you got life, where the black guy probably gets killed in the first thirty minutes because you see yeah, we, it in the well, trailer. He gets maimed. He gets maimed already. And, that much I know. And then there's there's Ridley Scott's Alien. I'm I got a bet right now. How long is the black person going to last in Alien Covenant? <laughs> I'm guessing maybe sixty two minutes. Well, it's Ridley Scott, so. <laughs> right. Who's problematic at best? At best, he's probably right. at worst, you know. No, gentlemen, hold on, hold on um, for a second, gentlemen. This is what I want to do. Uh, hold on, Serge. This is what I want to do. Uh, I want to. I'm not going to play a group, but I'm going to play the trailer for Burning Sands. 
because you wanted to say some, say your piece on that, Sergio. So let's yeah, get to the trailer. Right. Okay. Yeah. Again, to our listening again to our Again, to our listening audience, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk. Uh, the gang is all here. Uh, we're talking about Oscar Hollywood stuff. Let's get into this trailer, Burning Sands. I'm very intrigued about it. Having pre-pledged, I'm not like Bison. I didn't go full tilt. Uh, that would have been a difficult play. But I've talked about this. Anyway, I'm very intrigued about it. Burning Sands, Netflix, hold on. Welcome to Whataburger. Can I take your order? Ah, 30 sausage biscuits. 30 hash browns. Oh, with egg and, egg and cheese on those, please. Hold on now. We're trying out no napkins? It's all about the brotherhood. After pledging, a lambda man is ready for anything. It's a rite of passage. We're going to earn this shit. You are in the good hands of generations of tradition. Greetings, brother! And honorable brothers. Yo, if we make it through Hell Night, that'll be us out there. You know that. The brothers going to be in your family now. They're going to have you back for life. This right here. We come from kings and queens, man. Not slaves. You, you, you. Kings. Hello? Yes, sir. I'll be there in 10 minutes. Yes, sir. How bad do you want it, boy? I want to be a brother. Let me tell you something about getting into this fraternity. You got him. Find out what just any people will quietly submit to, and you will find out the exact measure of injustice and wrong. Y'all think it's tough now. Let's wait for hell night. If we ever get free from the oppressions and wrongs heaped upon us, we must pay for the removal. You're injured, aren't you? I'm a visual. You really should get it looked at. I'm just trying to keep my head on and make it through. Okay. Wait. Only a chosen few make it to the other side. Why no matter? You don't want to keep your line, brothers, waiting. I don't think you understand. Humiliation builds humility, and one more night is not going to kill you. This I know. We need to change, and we need it now because of the lives of our students and the honor of this fraternity is at stake. You are merely facing what other men have met. When you're up against trouble, meet it squarely face to face. Lift your chin, stay short, it's pain free and take a brace. When it's vain to try and dodge it, do the best that you can do. You may fail, you may conquer. See it through, see it through, see it through. Welcome to Hell Night, fellas. All right. Again, Burning Sands, courtesy of Netflix, folks. Um, I recognize the lead actor, believe it or not, uh, he was in Eureka. I think he played Sally Richardson. Another, oh, Sally Richardson. Whew. Fine wine there. Uh, she played, he played her son in the Eureka sci-fi series, and he appears to be the, the main dude for this Netflix series. So um, I'm interested, obviously, having attended HBCU, having pre-pledged Kappa Alpha, Kappa Alpha Psi. And um, the closest we had to that culture was in Spike Lee's school days. And I think this goes a little bit deeper, so I'm definitely intrigued about it. Sergio, you said you saw this um, without saying yeah, anything. I, I, was, I was hoping it was going to be a series, but I guess it's just a one-time movie for Netflix. Yeah, it's, it's a movie. It was it uh, it premiered at Sundance Film Festival. It was directed by a young brother by the name of Gerald McMurray. I've never heard of him before. The, his only real previous credit he was 
the associate producer on Fruitville Station. But okay. this is his first movie. Um, and there's some first-time director mistakes. The acting is uneven. Um, uh, the plot is predictable. You kind of know where this thing is going. Um, but, you know, it's a good film. It's not great. It's really all con- It really mainly concentrates on the hazing. At, you know, aspect of fraternity life, and it takes place during this hell week. This young kid, who um, you know, wants to get into this uh, fraternity. Uh, the movie shows why you know he's. Despite that's the fascinating thing is, I said to myself, why would anybody go through this? Um, I know a lot of it has to do with getting being part of a group, wanting to belong. Wanted to be like the other guys, but still, I mean, I would, thank God, I would never do anything like that. I guess I'm too independent or I'm I'm just too weird to join a fraternity, I guess. Um, but um, it's interesting. It has flaws. Um, I think the more well-known actors like Steve Harris and Alfie Woodard are the best things in the movie, particularly Steve Harris, who plays the dean in, in of the college. It's, it's a fictional college, you know, it's not named. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'd be interested to hear your take on it. You, I, I didn't attend a black university, and I would like to hear, after you see it, if you think it really captures it, or there's some distortions in it, or some things it just totally missed. But all in, it's a good uh, film. It's not great. It's not the best thing you've ever seen. It's, an, it's interesting. It's okay. Bison, uh, you wanted to speak on this. You you are a fraternity man. I, that I did not know. Yes, a lot of things about me you don't know deep. But um, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, that's a good thing. Go ahead. At the end of the day, it's entertainment. Um, look, anything that involves our culture, people are going to take. They're going to cherry pick things for sensationalism. Um, right now. All fraternities, hazing is is definitely a no no. The, the the chapters that do it do it what's called underground, which means it's not sanctioned, and they are usually summarily either expelled and the um, chapter is put on probation or sometimes kicked off the yard. Um, you don't see the community projects. You don't see the good things, all you see is the party. And it's, it's sensationalism um, to the worst degree. I think since school days, what makes these um, films sort of inauthentic is because they use generic fraternities. In school days, they actually had the actual fraternity, so there was some legitimacy there. But with this, it's just, you know, gamma, 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 whatever group they use, and it's just sort of, it, 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 it's going to be seen as a knockoff. I don't know if you've seen the um, TV show on BET. I know you don't do BET that much, either, but they had a show called The Quad. It's all of this I know generic. This is generic. Yeah, I, I wrote about that. There's big controversy about that. Big controversy. And my, uh, my own, uh, our, uh, my own um, president of Hampton, um, Dr. Harvey, is the strongest voice coming out against this thing, The Quad. I, I right. thought I might have spoke about it. Maybe I was supposed to speak about it. Uh, so many topics, but yeah, we were supposed to speak about the fact that he had a problem with how the quad is, is portraying uh, HBCUs. 
Yeah, I mean, I read the letter. Basically, he's saying it's all, you know, you never see uh, in-classroom scenes. You know, everything is just, and, you know, we know that's not going to sell. Sex and, 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 and deviant behavior is going is to move a TV show. And I think it's going to be the same thing with this movie, Burning Sands. I'm not, I'm not dodging anything. Have, have attorneys done some sketchy shit? Yes. Do they continue to do some? Yes, but when they get caught, they get dealt with. That's my only thing. That's my only thing. And, I, and I'm sort of, and I'm sort of just with Netflix doing. I, I, it, it seems like it seems like voyeuristic to me. Oh, let's ooh, look at this black thing here. Let's let's check this out. This is part of the black experience we don't know much about. Let's let's expose this. But that's just my take on it. Can Can I take this just left for just a second? Yeah, sure, um, sure, sure. I was listening to that trailer, and I, two thoughts came to my mind. I mean, it sounds like something I would watch, you know. Um, but I'm thinking, damn, Jesus! At what point did black people? When did when, did we ever have imagination that would take us to different plateaus, to different to take us into outer space or into fantasy? When can I get my black Luke Skywalker? When can I get my black Darth Vader or my black uh, uh, Star-Lord? I mean, I, we got this movie Slight coming out. And I'm like, oh, okay. If the guy's wearing a hoodie, fine. He, he, he looks like he has telepathic powers. Great. And he's a drug dealer. I'm like, what the f- What? When did we stop? Did we ever, did we ever have imagination that took us? Out of the hood, out of the gangs, out of the drugs, out of the reunions, out of the weddings, out of the, uh, uh, no offense to bison, uh, out of the um, fraternity life, out of the hazing. Am, am I making any sense here? Is, is, it, is it done? I mean, well, okay, I, I, got, well, I got news for well, you. Well, let, I got news well, for let me, you. Let me say I got news for you. Well, let me say something. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, let me just quickly now. I'll let you have the mic. Uh, well, listen, that's part of my gripe with the Oscars. I mean, Mahershala Ali, he was given an award for, from what I'm, from my understanding, he was on screen for maybe 10 or 15 minutes at the most for being a drug dealer. I mean, you know, he, he, I guess he gave some gravitas to, to the role, but he was still playing a black drug dealer. Now, as far as the fraternity life, I do find this somewhat refreshing, Q, because I don't think enough. Uh, has been done. There's been a few fil- few films, a few, uh, you know, one TV series if you, if you count the uh, different world that really highlighted black educational environments. So I think we need to see. I mean, for Netflix to do a black college fraternity uh, movie, I think I I like that. I just think it needs to be that and other things. I wouldn't necessarily put Burning Sands uh, in the same play as it being a stereotype because we really haven't seen enough of black college life. I mean, Spike Lee brought that to the attention, really, of everyone. But for the most part, uh, that's not a thing. Not really. Um, but you're, but you, I, you, hey, listen, you know I'm going to be a cheerleader, which is endemic to this program, with the need to have ur- such a thing as an urban alternative, to have uh, black sci-fi, black fantasy uh, black space operas, uh, Octavia Spencer, some of her work, The Kindred as a film. I mean, there's things that we can, that can be done. We, we talk about this all the time. So you, you, I, I agree with you 
and even you know, even the slave narrative. This even even in slavery, and I've said this ad nauseum. There are stories even in that topic that could be covered beyond the, the suffering. There, there's things that there's work to be done. I mean, even my guy, even my guy on twenty. I was just going to say, even my my dude on on twenty four, uh, Corey Hawkins, I think his name is. He's yeah. killing it. I've I, I've forgotten about Jack Bauer. And I'm like, okay, I got something. I I got my dude on. He's doing it. A black dude doing something on TV that I rarely see. But what do they do? Self plot. His brother's a drug dealer. Okay, can I? Yeah. You see, that's the thing, right? Uh, I'm watching 24. First of all, I'm a huge, huge 24 fan anyway. Huge one. So I wanted to see the brother. And right, he's very good. Especially as the show keeps good, like Monday Night episode is getting more and more intense. But why? Why does the brother have to be a drug dealer? Really, really? But here's your answer. There is a sci-fi movie coming out directed by a brother. Um, it's called The God Particle. It stars oh, yeah. David Oyelowo. It's being released by Paramount Pictures. Uh, it was produced. One of the producers was J.J. Abrams. Oh God! <laughs> okay. And, and, and well, I don't know if that's a good scene or a bad scene. You're gonna have to tell me because I don't know. Well, did you see Force Awakens? I'll I'll leave it there. Well, I saw it and I don't remember why I was watching it. I really I was looking at it and I said I you know it's just like every other goddamn Star Wars movie. What's supposed to be so great? You know, I I didn't. But anyway, um, uh, Julius Ona, who is actually Nigerian. But he lives in the United States, and he directed this picture, and I think he also co-wrote it. Uh, it's not coming out until late October. Okay, I'm but looking forward to that. Though. It's a sci-fi. It's a It's supposed to be a sci-fi horror mystery movie. Great. Sounds great. I, I, I want people. It's definitely stop a saving up now, black it's people. It's definitely a you multiracial cast of zinc. Zhang Z is in there, David Oyelowo, and uh, Google and Batha Raw, who's not hard. Oh, I'm there. Well. It's sold. Sold. You sold me. You see, now here's the thing. But here's the thing. I'm thinking, okay, it was directed by a brother. You got, I, you got, I gotta believe he's not gonna get uh, David Oyelowo's not gonna get killed in this movie. I have to believe that. You know, that he's gonna be one of the survivors at the end of this picture. Please, you know. Um, and also, it's interesting that it was directed by uh, this Nigerian guy. I said, young guy, which too. makes me think, young guy. Huh? Yeah, he's only done a couple of shorts. Yeah, he's a young guy. He's only done a couple of shorts, you know. So, and from what I understand, I, I talked to somebody who kind of knows the background of the story, was that he somehow hooked up with J.J. Abrams. And he really sold himself on directing this movie. Like, you know, of all the people, he said, I'm the best guy who can do this movie, and I can do it to the best, and blah, blah, blah. And they said, okay, you got it. You know? Instead of giving it to some white guy, white director, who, you know, had done some low-budget film, which is... The trend, some white director who's done a very low-budget film, and then you give them something like Jurassic World or uh, Kong Skull Island, you know, 
Finally, now a director, black director, is getting a shot of directing a major sci-fi movie for a major studio. Hope it turns out good. Can't wait to see it. It was it, the problem is, and I, I, I've been saying this forever, is that if you start to actually enumerate all of these separate projects and make it a thing, we could really do something. The fact that uh, Jordan Peele, you know, when I see him making the rounds, there really isn't a place for Jordan Peele to discuss this black horror thing. You know, the major media outlets, whether it's a Steve Harvey or a uh, what's the, uh, what's his name? Uh, why can't I think of his name? Tom Joyner. Uh, he's about to be retired. Yeah, Tom. Jo- thank you, Tom Joyner. Those guys, you know, it, it's clowned. Or even if you think of the Breakfast Club, these syndicated places, they're more geared towards hip hop. I mean, it, it's this whole one size fits all black um, black media outlet, and it's always geared towards the world star media takeout, bossip kind of thing. Whereas yeah, but they're irrelevant. Content. They're irrelevant. Well, no, well, get out well, no, with the number one f- film. Well, well, hold on, they were the number they're, one they're irrelevant. Well, hold on. They're relevant in the sense. Listen, even we talked about Remy Ma shamelessly. We spoke about Remy Ma, but in a different context. But most of those places are, are all about really promoting this this one type of black thing. When there's enough content, obviously. I mean, we have our friend Bravery Movie listening to us, and I think he is just finding out that there's such a thing as urban alternative. But urban, urban alternative means you have black rock artists, you have Afropunk, you have Black Rock Coalition, you have, you have this, these horror films, you have this sci-fi thing going on. You have, you have quite a few black folks and, and people of color involved in these other genres, but try, why is it Jordan Peele, who has the, the number one movie this week, why isn't he on these other, I mean, I see him on, like, white sci-fi shows and, and, and kind of white, white uh, hipster programs. But black folks look. You, much you, look, you know about... yourself. You, you know yourself. You know yourself. And we, we mentioned this before. And even though I, I was not the greatest fan of Key and Peele, I, they, their humor seemed to elude me for some reason. But they were criticized for not being black enough by other black comedians that. They were too. Airy um, Spears who, specifically. Airy oh, Spears specifically. Right, Airy Spears. So yeah, I believe it or not, if I was Jordan Peele, I wouldn't go on those shows either. You know, and it really doesn't matter. It was the number one film this weekend. It's at the at the. It got a one hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes uh, rating. The only other film that has done that is Guardians of the Galaxy Two. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Guardians of the Galaxy has got 100% in test audiences previews. 100% in test audience previews. Okay. So what happened is that... But but the film the well, film the, is the, going to do the, huge business. So who cares about Tom jo- I'm mean, Tom Joyner but, but, but or it, it, that it, other clown with the mustache? Who cares? The the point the point is you have to have venues that show the world and your community that we do these things too. I find so many times that uh, it, it, unless black folks are told that this is a thing, they don't really believe it. I mean, uh, I think Q might remember this. Uh, maybe a year ago, there was a, a black comic book artist. I think it might have been uh, Eagle. Um, what's, 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 is it Joe Eagle? 
What's Eagles last oh, name? Uh, Jamal the guy Eagles. from Nerds of Color or something like that? Yeah, but he's a, he's a, he's a well-known artist, Jamal Eagle. Jamal, Jamal Eagle. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he, he went, I think, somewhere in Louisiana, and he, he uh, spoke to black children about black folks in the comic book industry. And these kids responded by saying to him bluntly, we do that? They were like, we didn't, in other words, he didn't think there was such a thing. He, these kids were unaware that you have a, a black animators. Hell, there's a, there's a Netflix series, a Netflix uh, documentary on uh, Disney's, Disney's first black animator. So, you know, unless, unless black people, black youth are actually told or, 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 or made aware that there are black folks in, in numbers doing certain things that are uh, atypical, we're lost. And it seems like the, 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 the funnel that they look at things, unfortunately, are through World Star Hip Hop, which, which has international ratings. A World Star is, is you know, the, 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 the gentleman has since passed at the age of 43 or 44, whatever he was. But uh, we may not like these venues, and I certainly don't, but uh, the minstrel stuff has an audience. And, it, and, and it, it, it's through, the mainstream seems to communicate to us through these minstrel media outlets. Anything else, if, if, an, if an Octavia Spencer um, sci-fi movie, is Octavia Spencer? I'm a, if I, I'm Octavia, Butler. Not Octavia, Octavia Spencer. Butler. Butler, ah. Jesus, thank you. Octavia Butler, pardon me, Octavia Butler, one of her works, like The Kindred, is made into a movie. It, who's going to acknowledge it except some white, and it, 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 which is cool, the nerdist, Chris Hardwick might give give that thing a shout out, but your your own community will not. That's a problem. That is yep. a severe problem. The the yep. red shirts will do it. Afro nerd radio will do it. That's what's hey, up. Hey, Deaver, Deaver, this Bison. But this is the crux of the yeah. matter. Most media aimed at African Americans are not owned by African Americans. But, it, but that, that's another discussion. That's another discussion. The, the the breakfast clubs of the world, those aren't owned by African Americans. Like you know in New York, um when um Sutton and all of them had a sort of monopoly on black radio station. You know what happened there? They sold out. The great right. So so you go into a whole different dynamic. The only thing I can pick out now is Kathy Hughes and TV One. Now, the thing, okay, the, um, Q-Storm, um, let me go back to you, because I know Sergio can attest to this. When you sit down with investors, they're going to want their money back. And if you predict, okay, if, you, if you're a filmmaker and say, listen, I want to do a sci-fi um, movie, and this is a storyline, and the budget is going to be, I just pull a number out of the air, let's say $95 million. How are you going to say, okay, I'm an investor, Q-Storm. Sell it to me. Sell that sell that concept to me. And I'll, but it's not your money. It's my money. Good point. Give me give me an elevator pitch for me to give you $95 million to make a, a sci-fi movie aimed at the African-American, with the African-American cast. Give me an elevator pitch in 30 seconds. And and that's okay. what Deeper was saying before. That's and I, I did agree with him that we do need to start building our own infrastructure so that if, if the people that we're pitching to look like us, 
they may be more receptive to our pitch. I, I know, but we say no guarantee. No guarantee in that either, that though, unfortunately. What does that, that mean, build our own infrastructure, though? I mean, we say that. There are African-American-owned movie theaters. Magic Johnson has a, 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 a I don't know if it's nationwide. I know it's here in the DMV. I think the structures, I, we, don't have to, we don't have to reinvent the wheel for this thing. Like Sergio said, there are other platforms. Issa Rae showed the way. I think YouTube is, is, is a is a, a, is a Yeah, no, you're man. right. You're right, but... but w- I, I, if that's the only way we can go about it, fine. But I want to, I, I want to see black product on the big screen as well. Uh, and so I, you need Denzel and Brad Pitt for starters in that type of movie. Well, there's something else going on here too. Um, a couple of things, and I'll be brief. One thing is we have this idea that if it isn't exactly up to the snuff of the quote-unquote mainstream white standard, then therefore it's not, it's not viable. When, um, when Bison kind of poo-pooed a little bit, respectfully, some would poo-pooed on, on Nollywood because they're selling internationally these bootleg tapes, what have you. I mean, I'm not discounting that because in, in New York I've seen some of that kind of thing. I've seen some of these uh, African... African video stores, and they sell primarily to other African folk, not even African-Americans, to African and Caribbean folk. However, it's still product being sold. It, it, I, I just, I don't understand why, it, because it's not in the standard of, of, of the white standard, therefore we poo-poo it. I mean, Nollywood still has that, has that um, tagline that is the, it is the third largest movie exporting business in the world. So even if it's being sold in barbershops, it's still transactional business that at some point might be able to build. I mean, you got to start off somewhere. Um, I, I think I think of the the Negro leagues. I mean, you had black baseball teams. Uh, when you get a chance to speak about Effa Manley from the Newark Newark Eagles, um, I wanted to speak about her actually. But anyway, maybe next time. But you had these black baseball teams. But we, we were so invested in trying to do the crossover and to, to, to deal with the white man's water is colder, that we just, you know, once, once we had Roy Campanella and, and, and Jackie Robinson and we started seeing this black talent being fielded over to mainstream baseball, then we just gave up on a black, a viable black infrastructure. Like, why, like it, there was no talk about actually trying to uh, integrate the business of Negro Leagues with the mainstream leagues, that might have been interesting. I mean, why was all that black talent scoffed at? It was, it was kind of seeded into the mainstream of white culture and white money. That, 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 and that's the part where uh, when someone mentioned, what well, was Q-Storm, Q-Storm mentioned MLK, MLK himself said towards the end of his life that he might have led his, led his people down a wrong path. Because he started seeing this, it's, there's more to just being able to drink at this uh, water fountain or use the lavatory that whites once used. It's a bigger story. You got to start off from somewhere. That's my 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 feeling. Even if it's lowbrow, it's yours. That's that's where we need to be. We have. We, I mean, it's it's an ultimate thing. I mean, we're gonna be back again. 
complaining that white folk, black folks weren't recognized. Watch. This has been happening so over and over again. Twelve mm-hmm. years ago, twelve years ago, it was Black Night. It was Black Night last week. It's going to be Black Night uh, 2028. Watch. And yeah, and, and the point I'm going to make is that there's nothing there. There's nothing coming out this year to match this year. Now, maybe something may premiere at Toronto or Telluride, maybe later in the year, but right now, there is nothing. So you, people don't understand the business, right? So do you know what's coming out there? There's list can see what films are being released this year. And there's nothing. You know, Toronto be Henson is actually unless you have an infrastructure to actually spit out these movies continuously. Right. It's, it's, it's always going to be this way. I mean, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. I mean, the Fe- only, feasibly, the only reason, the only reason why Hidden Figures got made, the only reason was because Peter Chernin, who was the former head of Fox, has a deal. Um, I mean, he's left, and now he's an independent producer. He he produces the, all the eight movies that are coming out, you know, like The War for the Planet of the Apes. He produces all those pictures, right? He has a deal that once a year, the studio will finance a personal passion project for him for no money, uh, just a project he deeply believes in that he loves. Last year, it happened to be Hidden Figures. He read the book. He loved it. And he told Fox, this is the film I want made. And he gave him a little money, because that film was not an expensive movie at all. A little money to make the film. So suppose Churden didn't, hadn't, hadn't read the book. There you go. Uh, Serge, we've got and, about and, a minute and, remaining, and, unfortunately. So we're going to have to close shop. Uh, sorry about that. Folks, uh, listen, two hours goes pretty quickly, believe it or not, when we get to these feisty conversations. Uh, again, it's, this is the midweek, but we'll be back Saturday for the Grind House at 6 p.m. All things pulp, pop, comic books, fantasy, sci-fi. We're going to geek out. The return of the indefatigable uh, Daryl B. Our own Daryl B. was actually on Q Storm's podcast, The Red Shirts. Check him out. Um, Claire Linnae. And uh, the gang will be here again, 6 p.m. Saturday. It's been real. Giving you some urban alternative groove. You know that stuff that conventional radio refuses to play. This is the mighty Angelo Moore of Fishbone. With the Lions, Rhythm Rock. See you Saturday. It's been real. Like a thump, just free
dust and dust Gonna spit him in the spiritual high On a mission I buy It's I break Audio fire up 45 We love boxing Relaxing on the gold coast Listening to Saxon Saxon that I can control Time go On the freeway 101 to 405 It's 420 It's got time Flyers on the talent With stars on the eyes And the angels in the city Look so pretty Make them low riders Low and lounge back in their caddy Vibrating out from the truck The beat speakers go Ba-boom, ba-boom Leave 